Just a reminder that this podcast does not provide medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. This content is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your qualified medical provider if you have any questions concerning a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it based upon this information or anything on this podcast. The content presented on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, it's Kara Solomsas here, a certified health and wellness coach, and this is Tuning In From Within. On today's episode, we are featuring the lovely Devin McFadden, who will be discussing the topic of intuitive eating. Devin, who has her Master's of Public Health degree, is a certified intuitive eating counselor, intuitive eating coach, certified health education specialist, and founder of Make Eating Easy. She specializes in helping women overcome chronic dieting to develop a healthy relationship with food and their bodies. She approaches her work from a health at every size perspective and is passionate about bringing joy back into eating. Devin earned a bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of Richmond and a master's degree from the University of Minnesota. In her free time, she can be found walking her dogs with her husband, traveling, cooking, reading, and watching movies. Welcome, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you for being here. I'm excited to have you and just to talk about this topic, which I think is so important and I just don't think is talked about enough. So one of the first things that I'm curious about too is how did you really end up as an intuitive eating counselor and coach? Uh, that's a, a great question because it's not what I set out to do, certainly. I'm from Minnesota originally, but moved to Denver right after I got my undergrad degree. And I was doing sales for a marketing company, and it was a really amazing opportunity. I'm really grateful that I got to do sales for a lot of reasons, but it wasn't my passion. And I was sitting around trying to figure out what I wanted to do and realizing that in, I hadn't really been talking about it, but in my late teens and early 20s, I had been struggling with an eating disorder. And for my entire life prior to that, and during that time, I was watching all of the women around me struggle with dieting. I was struggling with dieting myself, like so much talk about body size pretty constantly, which is just a thing I think a lot of women struggle with. Increasing amounts of women are struggling with eating disorders, but more so than that, it's just kind of an epidemic of women not feeling good about themselves and feeling like they have to diet to uh, compensate for that. So I, at the time, once I kind of was coming to that realization and figuring all that out, I was really interested in public health, um, had, was seeing an amazing therapist and recovering from my eating disorder, but I was still hanging on to some negative thoughts, still doing some dieting, kind of disordered eating, but not eating disorder, truly behavior. And so I applied, I got into grad school uh, to get my master's in public health. And pretty shortly into my master's, I stumbled on a podcast called Food Psych by Christy Harrison, who's this amazing, she calls herself an anti-diet dietitian. Uh, and she was my first introduction into intuitive eating. So 
Yeah, she. I would recommend to anyone listening to go check out her podcast. It's amazing. It's the first intuitive eating podcast that I know about, and she talks a lot about body liberation. Anyway, I could go on a big tangent about Christy, but she was amazing. I at first, though, thought intuitive eating was total nonsense. <laughs> I was in grad school in public health. We love things that are very tangible and evidence-based, uh, which I came to find out intuitive eating is. But it didn't feel hard sciencey enough to me. So I kind of dismissed it, but kept listening. And ultimately, it was a light switch that went off a few podcasts into listening to her where I was going, wait, you don't have to diet and you don't have to hate yourself in order to be healthy. And it was such, I mean, it was such a, I remember the exact moment I was driving my car listening to this podcast going, this is the first thing that really resonated with me and when I, how I understood what the origins of my struggles and the origins of the women around me, of all of their struggles as well, was diet culture. From there, I just dove into intuitive eating, was practicing myself, changed my whole life with intuitive eating, and had a much healthier, easier relationship with food. And then... I kind of, I got certified just to learn a little bit more and was working at the, my husband and I had moved to the, to Louisville, Kentucky, and I'd started working for the state public health department here. But the whole time intuitive eating was in the back of my head going, I wonder if I could do this for a living because I was so passionate and excited about it. And then I decided to take the leap and that's when I started Make Eating Easy so I could help people hopefully go on a much quicker journey with intuitive eating than I had been on myself. It took me a long time. So now I get to work with clients every day, walking them through intuitive eating and helping them have an easier relationship with food. I just think it's really incredible too, the jump that you made from public health to intuitive eating. And I think that there could be a bridge that really something that bridges between the two, but it is so different because you think about nutrition guidelines, at least within public health and we talk about calorie counting and we talk about low fat and there just are so many rules that the idea of intuitive eating sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. I mean, it sounded crazy to me at first when I was going, of course you need to count calories. Of course you need to be watching your macros. Like that's just kind of what we're taught from the time you're young, but especially when you get into public health guidelines is Like you need to be really careful about these things or else you have these severe health consequences. And I, I now know that that's not necessarily true. So it's, there is, um, to me, it feels like a pretty big gap between current public health guidelines and having a much easier, healthier relationship with food for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so for the person that has never heard of intuitive eating, or maybe they've heard of it, but they're really confused by the concept. How would you describe what intuitive eating is? At its very simplest, intuitive eating isn't evidence-based. So back when I said I didn't think it was evidence-based, I was wrong. There was a ton of research to support it. But it's a non-diet approach to eating and health. That's at the very core of it. So essentially what we're most commonly told from a health perspective is is always best to lose weight. And the way to lose weight is to diet. Whatever that diet is, there's a million of them out there. There's the diet of the day. There's the diets we've all heard of that celebrities are doing or whatever the latest thing is. But that dieting is the way towards health. 
And what intuitive eating says as a counterpoint to that is that you don't need to diet to be healthy and that you're throwing away that diet rule book and relearning how to listen to your body, which can sound a little bit new agey to people, but essentially it's you're really tuning into things like internal hunger, fullness, and satiety cues. You're going, am I hungry? At what point do I start to feel full? Like, do I feel satisfied, which is a big thing. You can eat cucumbers all day long and feel full but not feel satisfied, which is, you know, something that diets might forget about is the satiety piece. But on a diet, you're told don't eat X food, eat at X time, only eat X number of calories or macros, as we talked about and you mentioned. Intuitive eating says that's not at all what you have to do. You have to listen to your body. You don't have to restrict things and your body will guide the way and has a lot of really amazing wisdom. It's true. And that's really one of our main foundations with tuning in from within, really listening to your body's wisdom, like you said, because it carries a lot there. And I think we just don't take the time to do it and we don't have the training or tools to be able to know how to do it. Totally. Yeah. That's the thing that intuitive eating is a really, it's a pretty simple concept, but it's not easy, especially when diet rules, like you've been hearing for so long about what's healthy, like carbs used to not be healthy or fat used to not be healthy. Pick your decade. We can find the thing that wasn't healthy at the time. And yeah, and those things can really get confusing and jumbled for people. But what intuitive eating would teach and when you learn that you don't really have to restrict anything and your body, you know, if you eat ice cream all day long, your body's probably not going to feel good. But that doesn't mean you never eat ice cream. It just is really listening to what your body is asking for. And it takes time, but it's it's possible. For the average person, that's got to be so scary to kind of let go of those rules that you've always lived by because it is something that you can somewhat control to a degree, even though you never feel fully satisfied or you probably are inconsistent with your weight which is usually what happens with yo-yo dieting. I Mm -hmm. started intuitive eating just a couple of years ago, and I've been into integrative health for the last few years, but really taking the time to listen to my body and enjoy my food, the experience of eating has been incredible. I've never experienced food like that. It's so mind-blowing, and it's, I mean, but it sounds so simple, and it's just, it's amazing. But it's also, there's in case folks haven't heard of it. So intuitive eating has 10 principles, but not everyone has to follow those principles in the same order. Some people might struggle with a certain principle more than another. So it's not as, it's not prescriptive and it's not like a diet where hop on this diet and you stop eating carbs and you lose weight in the short term, which is what a diet is. Diets don't really work. Um, especially in the long term. So yeah, it, it is it is harder and scarier for people for sure because it's a little bit of a leap of faith because it's so different from what you hear typically when it comes to nutrition advice. Yeah, exactly. It's complete opposite. Like, yeah, completely. You're right. Like the total opposite, just going, you can trust yourself and you can enjoy food and food can be a really lovely part of your day instead of a thing that's anxiety inducing and scary and like a thing that you have to obsess over because you can only have certain foods at certain times. So it's a really freeing way to live 
it does take work and it does take really focusing on food too to to get there. But I work with people on it all the time and it's really amazing to see strides of how people start feeling less confused and just more excited and peaceful when it comes to food. It's pretty radical. <laughs> it is really radical and weight is a huge focus, right? We have totally. a huge totally. weight on this country and fat phobia that we're constantly battling with. So for people that come to you and they want to do intuitive eating, but they also are still very weight focused. They still want to mm -hmm. lose weight. Like that's still at the forefront of their brains. How do you approach that? So hard. As you can imagine, every, I would say 90% of the people that come to me, whether I just have a conversation or if they become clients are still thinking about weight loss. Because if you didn't struggle with food, you probably don't have as much of a focus on weight, which we can, we can get into. But most of the people that come to me are still interested in weight loss. Some know that maybe I don't want to focus on it as much, but don't really know how. So it's really tricky because intuitive eating is all about internal cues. Dieting is all about external and not listening to your body. So it's really hard to focus on intuitive eating and the internal stuff when you're also trying to lose weight, which is external. Those two things just don't go together very well. So I, what I try and tell people is you wanting to lose weight is a, I, I feel your pain. I've been there myself and I totally understand why people want to lose weight. Like certainly don't vilify people for wanting that, even though that I know it's, it doesn't work very well. But I also say if the intuitive eating is something you really want to try and see if you can have a peaceful, more healthful relationship with food, that are you willing to commit to putting that on the back burner for a minute? Like maybe it's really hard for people to let go of it entirely because that's something they've been thinking about or hoping for for a long time. But if someone's willing to be open-minded and put weight loss on the back burner, Intuitive eating comes so much faster and easier. And ultimately, when you become an intuitive eater after you've been practicing for a long time, you don't care about the weight as much. It's just a thing that naturally comes with it. So you really focus on, okay, let's set this aside. I know this is what you've always believed. This is probably one of those values that was instilled within you, but what we're going to do and, and just kind of have that open mind. Yeah, totally. And for some people that doesn't work and they're like, no, I really want to focus on weight. And it's like, okay, I totally understand why uh, I'm probably not the right person to help you with that. And I want people to get the help that they want in whatever capacity that is. And I want to be the right coach for people. So I, I try and be really clear that with intuitive eating, some people lose weight some people stay the same. Some people gain weight, um, especially people that have been really restrictive. So I couldn't possibly and I couldn't ethically predict whether someone's going to lose weight or not. So I have to be really clear with folks about that. And then if someone is willing to be open-minded about the process and kind of let go of the weight piece for just a, a minute, for a month or two as we're kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of it, that's when the magic happens. Um, but I understand why people want to lose weight. We live in a culture that tells us to lose weight every day. So I, I understand for sure, especially women. I mean, it's just kind of brutal. 
I keep thinking to, you know, one of the classes that I teach, and we've talked about this before, the diabetes prevention program, and it's Mm evidence-based, and it's, you know, created by the CDC. And what's so fascinating about it is that to qualify for the program, of course, you have to meet a BMI, but you also have to meet a certain A1C level. But those are not measured throughout. I mean, your A1C is kind of put aside and it really is just the weight that's focused on. So we've had women in the past where their A1C drops, they're doing amazing. They might have Mm -hmm. thyroid issues, so it's harder for them to lose weight, but that still is a focus for them. So even though they're creating these sustainable behavior changes, they still are so upset about the weight not being dropped. So it's just as, it's so hard when those are the programs that are being funded and those are the ones that we're able to offer and we're still kind of perpetuating the weight aspect of it. That breaks my heart because hearing A1C levels drop, you know what a good indicator of health that is. And that should be a thing that we're all jumping from the rooftops and that women's celebrating. And it's such a cool accomplishment to go, you know, there's these health metrics that we know are really closely connected to having better, healthier, longer lives. And then weight, which is 95% of diets fail. That's a pretty common metric in the, or pretty common stat in the intuitive eating world. Two thirds of people who have dieted wind up regaining more weight than they lost. Diets of any kind, whether it's the common ones you've heard of, or whether it's just wellness, they just don't work very well. But having someone's A1C drop, I mean, that's, that's something that's sustainable, and that we know is possible too. So I feel like it, we focus so much on weight to your point. And it's just not a good long term solution. And we've proven that we're just not really willing to look at some of the research, I think we just can't let it go. Yeah, we just can't let it go. That's a better way of saying it. (laughs) It's really embedded in health. It's really, I mean, it's what doctors talk to people about. Like I've heard stories about people going to the doctor for pink eye and the doctor being like, you got to lose weight. It's like, well, that's not really what this is about. So it's just weight stigma you brought up earlier is, is just as damaging as, you know, someone feeling like they can't go to their doctor because they're going to be shamed for their weight is really harmful. And that's something that's not talked about as much as BMI. No. And oh my gosh, I could go on a whole rant. That's, this could be another podcast episode, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But bringing it back to intuitive eating and you mentioned the Mm evidence-based aspect, and I'm kind of thinking of any research junkies that might be listening to this too. Mm. I'm curious in terms of those different health outcomes. So like A1C Mm -hmm. levels, just those other measurements that are not weight focused, is there research that you know of to show that people are measuring better in those areas? Yes, there's hundreds of studies that have legitimate researchers that have looked at intuitive eating. And there's really amazing health outcomes that blow dieting out of the water. You can actually go dig into some of those studies at the Intuitive Eating website. So Intuitive Eating was initially created by these two amazing women. And they, I think it was in the early 90s, they're dietitians and were going, you know, we keep recommending weight loss, but it's not really working for our clients. So they developed Intuitive Eating and it was really helpful for people. 
But I think it's intuitiveeating.org slash studies if you really, if you're a junkie and really want to dive into research studies. But intuitive eaters ultimately have better health outcomes. Those metrics you were talking about, like better cholesterol, better blood pressure, a lot of really cool mental health outcomes, better self-esteem, things that can be worsened by, by dieting and by really being absorbed in diet culture as well. So physical and mental health outcomes, research backs up that intuitive eating is the way to go. It's pretty, it's pretty profound, actually, when you look at the research. I'm not surprised by that at all. I continue to hear the narrative, calories in, calories out. Which is just not true. Yeah. <laughs> I understand where it came from. It's been debunked by so many people. And you're metabolism winds up catching up to decreased calories. So basically you reduce, if you start at whatever, I don't love talking about numbers, but let's say you start at X number of calories and then your diet, you reduce it to by, I don't know, 500 calories or something. Your metabolism thinks, oh, I don't need that, those 500 calories to keep working. So it reduces the amount of calories you need to burn. Like your, your body is so smart and that's what intuitive eating gets to, but it is smarter than we seem to think it is. And we'll catch up to you being hungry. Like when deprivation, the natural response to it is overeating because your body wants to stay alive and wants you to eat. It shouldn't be controversial because it seems once you're well-versed in intuitive eating, you're like, oh, this totally makes sense. But it does. It's not what you normally hear about when you go into your doctor's office for sure. I'm so curious too, for people that might have type two diabetes and how mm-hmm. intuitive eating can be helpful with that, especially if their body's hunger cues have kind of changed a little bit because of their blood sugar. So I, cause I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional. So most of what I do is education focused. It's based on research and what I think is valuable, but I am pretty hesitant to talk about things like diabetes because I'm not certified in it. I, I don't want to give the wrong advice to people. And I'm careful about things like diabetes because I, I certainly don't want to hurt people. That's not what I'm out to do. So I would have listened to your doctor's advice about diabetes and things like that that are closely tied to diet. Having said that, there's a lot. Christy Harrison is a really good example. She has had a a handful of podcasts and I know has done research and has worked with folks who do have diabetes and intuitive eating is a solution for those people. You do have to be kind of, obviously people with diabetes have to be focused on their numbers with type two or type one diabetes have to be focused on their numbers, but there is a way to do intuitive eating with that and to not have to give up everything. I saw a I'm going to forget what it's called. I think it's called insulin surfing. I listened to a speaker once who was talking about what he didn't know was called intuitive eating, but was essentially intuitive eating and then how you can match insulin over the day to intuitive eating. Oh, wow. uh, so there's people, yeah, and I might have that term wrong, but I remember walking out going, oh my gosh, he didn't know that was intuitive eating, but that could be such a cool solution for people who think that they can you know, never have their favorite foods again, who struggle with it. So I, I'm not, just because I'm not certified in, in working with diabetes, I'm not probably the perfect 
person to talk about that, but there is work happening for folks who have chronic conditions and how intuitive eating can work with that. And there's research too as well. Okay. And again, would that be found on the intuitive eating website? Yes. Um, yeah. The intuitive eating website. I, I mean, they're so good at updating it when there's new research that comes out because there's new research happening all the time as intuitive eating is more and more common and, you know, is being talked about a little bit more. So yeah, there is, they keep it really up to date with any new research as well. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes too, because I know some people are really fascinated by just seeing what research is going on right now and what's up and down. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing. Studies consistently show that intuitive eating is just the, not only is it what I talk about, which is bringing the joy back into food for people who have found food to be really joyless for a long time, but it also, you can not restrict and be healthy. And the research shows that, which is really, really cool. It's so incredible. From personal experience too, it just is liberating to not have to worry about each bite that you take and to just be able to taste your food on a whole different level. Yeah, and not be worried about looking up the menu before you go to a restaurant or like looking, going to a friend's barbecue and just staring at the table. I'm speaking from personal experience and what a lot of women in my life have talked about. But like going to a barbecue and not staring at the table going, oh my gosh, can I eat that? Should I not eat dinner tonight because I ate that? I mean, it's just, it requires so much time, effort, in some cases money, and not having to worry about food in that way is exactly what you just said. It's so liberating. I'm curious too, with your personal experience, did you notice that you, because I think still people want to eat healthy, right? They want to nourish their bodies, Mm -hmm. but maybe they don't know where to start. Did you notice that with intuitive eating, you were more inclined to want to crave certain foods that were healthier? Actually, I'm so happy you brought that up because I feel like that's a really common misconception with intuitive eating because we talk about it's okay to eat donuts, which of course it is. But like I said earlier, when the beginning stages of intuitive eating tend to be making peace with food. So going, I can eat some of these foods that were forbidden to me, the things that like carbs or fat or whatever someone their, their trigger is or what they've not been eating or what they're scared of eating or feel bad about eating. That's at the beginning stages that you're like, go try those foods and see that nothing happens, that you're okay. Just having people make peace with it. So it's a process, but there's a lot of really amazing exercises that you can work on those some of that beginning stage with. But what does happen over time to your point is that when you're listening to your body, your body really wants fiber, which is in the form of fruits or veggies. Like your your body really in my case, I really crave vegetables um, because your body wants that balance. But you also have to make peace with some of the other maybe more forbidden foods in order to start listening to your body in that way. So intuitive eaters, this is also in research, intuitive eaters tend to have a much wider variety and also make, quote, health more healthful food choices in the long run as well because they're more open to having to, to not being restrictive. It oddly opens it up for veggies and fruits and, you know, other things that might sound a little more diety, but that your body also really wants to function well. Which makes perfect sense. And I still working on 
specific language to use too, because I don't want to label foods as being bad or good, or this is healthier than this. But I, I wonder what is a good word to use? I think it's nourishing and nutrients. I struggle with that too, just because healthy, not healthy, I think can be kind of harmful that you're going, if I'm eating a not healthy food, there's something morally wrong with that. And a big part of intuitive eating is going this, there's no, like a broccoli and a donut are morally equivalent, but it's just focusing on what your body wants at that moment. And in the long run to support whatever your goals are, like someone who is, I don't know, running an ultra marathon might have different nutritional goals and needs. So it depends on the person for sure. I think nutritious is probably a good word for it. When I was doing my certification, I was doing it with Evelyn Triboli, who was one of the, or doing a piece of it with Evelyn Triboli, who's one of the authors of Intuitive Eating. So I was fangirling over that. But she said, of course, there's a nutritional difference between an apple and an apple pie, but there's not a moral difference between those two things, which to me was such a beautiful way to say that. No one's pretending like eating apple pie all day is the same thing as eating an apple all day, but you can eat both and still be healthy. I like how she differentiated that too. Nutritionally, yes. Morally, no. I mean, it is just that simple. Yeah, it is. It's like, I think she also said, which was funny. She's like, if you stole it, there's a moral problem with that, but that's the only thing you're going to do morally wrong with food. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. And honestly, I would be fangirling too, because that is so cool that you guys work with her. It's so cool. Yeah. If anyone wants to get certified in intuitive eating, you get to work with the authors of the book, which is just such a cool thing. No, it's amazing. And it's honestly still something that I am looking towards too, because I think just being a coach and nutrition comes up probably 90% of the time. And so just being Mm. able to offer that tool for people, I think would be super helpful. Especially because what we talked about earlier, that the common nutrition advice is here's a diet plan or here's what you should be eating. Here's the list of things you should never eat. Maybe sometimes eat these things. It it is sometimes more challenging to practice intuitive eating because it's not prescriptive, like I mentioned, but it's such a helpful tool for people who've been struggling with dieting for a long time. And it's profound. I I think some people find it refreshing going, I just can't do another diet. I don't know how to explain it. I've been dieting my whole life. I just can't do it anymore. You go, well, yeah, because it sucks (laughs) and it's not fun and it's clearly not worked or else you wouldn't be struggling with it anymore. So yeah, intuitive eating is such a nice alternative for people who just feel like they can't do it anymore. It's funny because I notice that this is common within conventional medicine, but I'm also noticing a different form of dieting within functional medicine and alternative medicine in terms of, I mean, ketogenic diet is pretty common. Um, Another one that I'm thinking of too is if people have food sensitivities, so doing things like Whole30 and cutting out foods completely. A lot of times I've heard people say if they go to a functional medicine doc, not saying all of them, but some of them will say, you know, you can't eat these foods anymore. So in terms of people having food sensitivities, how does that work with intuitive eating? It depends. So I think that question comes up so often. And I think wellness and holistic medicine can sometimes be diets in disguise where you're going 
whole whole 30 is supposed to be really healthy, but it's really restrictive and it's, it's really a diet um, at, at the end of the day. So I think that can be really hard for people to weed through going, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And it's like, no, it's just a diet that they call a lifestyle. But <laughs> uh, but it comes up all the time, people, whether they took a test or their doctor told them or they did an elimination diet. If it's, I'm trying to think of a good example, if it's like um, people going, I don't eat gluten because it doesn't feel good. I think it depends on the person. If the origin of it is and the core of it is genuinely, I want to feel better. I, I don't feel good when I eat this thing. Or if it's a severe allergy like celiac, obviously you never eat gluten because that's a legitimate medical concern and you don't want to do that and you cause long-term, short-term and long-term damage. But if it's a sensitivity and the origin of that is someone going, I want to feel better. Of course that fits in perfectly with intuitive eating. You're listening to your body who's telling you, I don't want to eat this thing. Uh, And that's a beautiful, I think it's amazing when clients discover that. Uh, they almost get scared. Like, is it a diet? And it's like, you don't need, if your body feels better, no. If the origin of I'm trying to, I I feel better in quotes when I don't eat gluten is I'm also think that gluten causes weight gain and I'm trying to lose weight. That's where I think it's not particularly useful or helpful. But I think it can be a really lovely part of intuitive eating going, I'm just listening really carefully to my body but the origin matters. I mean, that makes so much sense to the way that you phrased that. And I think too, when people will come or talk to you about intuitive eating or anyone else, if they say, Hey, this food doesn't make me feel good. You're really just reaffirming that, you know, continue to listen to your body instead of saying, you know what, why don't you cut it out for three weeks and then reintroduce it. Totally. And you know what I find too, Uh, If someone doesn't have, I'm using uh, gluten as the same example. If someone doesn't have celiac but feels like they have a gluten insensitivity or sensitivity, sometimes if certain types of gluten, certain foods, if it's food that has gluten but not a ton of it, like maybe they just, a ton of bread doesn't feel good to them, but they can eat other things that have gluten in it. So it's almost like an experiment. We set out to make people feel good and find the joy in food. And part of that is feeling good when you eat. So there can be thresholds for people too. It doesn't need to be so all or nothing. I'm so happy that I asked you that. And that came up in my head because that's one of the things that I always think about. And usually I approach it the way that you're saying it. The intention is to feel good. We can feel good in our bodies. It's this amazing thing that we haven't felt in a long time, but to be able to reassure people that, you know, you don't have to cut this out. You don't have to do whole 30 because I was trapped in that mindset for a while too, that I did need to do that. Because you're like most people, like it's just, we all struggle with this stuff. And also if you're not, whether you're feeling good or in a lot of cases, if you're not feeling good, you're just searching for something that might make you feel better. And the answer to that, because it's so common, is typically dieting. And it's, you know, someone's neighbor tried Whole30, so they're going to try it with them. And I've heard a lot of people say they like Whole30 and it works for them, but it doesn't seem to work very well in the long run, like most diets, uh, just from, you know, people I've talked to. I've never tried Whole30 myself, but dieting is very all or nothing. It's really hard, I'm sure.
It's so hard. Oh, yeah. And all you do is think about all the foods that you're going to eat afterwards. Like you start to make a list of all the things that you're feeling deprived of. And then you just go crazy right after. It's just, it's so interesting. Which is exact, like is the most natural reaction to deprivation as you're like, I can't have this. So I'm going to dream of when I can have so much of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's like maybe short term, but it's just not. I mean, it's not very mentally healthy in the long run, too. Like, I can't have these things that I really love. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's just, it's not as fun. It's not as nice of a way to live, for sure. It's not as fun. That's a good way of framing it, too. <laughs> food should be fun. And food is also, I don't know, we talk about food as medicine, which, of course, it is. Like, we've known that for a long time. Like, so many cultures, food is medicine. But it's also culture. It's also family. It's also fun. It, it's just so much more than just the nutrients that food provides you. It is, of course, that, but it's also so much more than that. And it should be fun and it should be exploratory. So Devin, for people that want to explore intuitive eating, maybe they want to get in touch with you for coaching. How can they find you and reach you? So I'm at makeeatingeasy.com. And you can look through my website. I have a blog, too, that has little snippets of some of the things we've been talking about. I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. The way to kick that off and to see if it's of interest to you is a free call. So we just talk for 30 minutes. You can hear more about intuitive eating, about my services, see if it's right for you. And then we go from there and it's all personalized and based on what everyone and each individual's goals are. But makeeatingeasy.com is the easiest way to get in touch with me. Okay, perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes too. And by the way, I love your website. It's very aesthetically Thanks. pleasing along with informative. Oh. <laughs> It's just like my dream to put food photos all over a website. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. So definitely check oh, thank resources you. out. And thank you so much for being here today. It was so fun talking about this. I know. I hope it was helpful to some of the people that were listening. And I'm so happy to be able to talk about it. So thanks for having me. Yes. And hopefully you'll come back and we can talk about weight stigma, fat phobia, and kind of dive into that because I am really interested in getting in that. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Yeah, we can bounce ideas off each other. <laughs> Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much, Devin, and we'll see you back. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Make sure to check out Devin's website, makeeatingeasy.com to schedule coaching with her or even just to find out more content regarding the topic we talked about today. Thank you so, so much for listening today. I invite you all to subscribe and share the Tuning In From Within podcast show with friends, family, and all the other loved ones. And please feel free to follow my Instagram page at Tuning In From Within, as well as checking out our website, tuninginfromwithin.com, where you can find relevant articles, other podcast episodes, and so much more.